Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Maximum Octane. Today, joining me is my brother from another mother, Mr. Mike Michalowicz. So I got to tell you, Mike, I, I was very excited about you being on here for, for many reasons. And I did a little research, different research than normally I do, because I already know a lot about you. And the, the books, I mean, I, gosh, Fix This Next, Clockwork, Profit First, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. You're doing video books now. You have children's books. But yeah. I just I just saw and I didn't know. And I'm like, how did I not know this? One of your companies was involved in the forensic stuff of the Enron dealings. Oh, yeah. We what did the Enron trial. Mike? How did I, <laughs> how did I not know that? Because you just after cool factor, like way. Oh, I don't know. It's cool. You know, so my client, we did defense. So Kenneth Lay, Andrew Fastow, all those, the mastermind were actually the clients of my company. And uh, it was specifically, it was called the Nigerian barge trial, not to get too granular here, but Enron was not a single instance. There was many in the, in the Nigerian barge trial, what Enron did with Arthur Anderson, Enron calls their accounting company and says, Hey, listen, we have a barge in Nigeria that makes power. It's a power plant. And we want to sell it to you for X hundreds of millions of dollars just for a day. You buy it from us. It's going to bolster our numbers on our side. So our revenue is going to show hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. And we'll buy it back from you the day after, on the, 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 which is the year. They were doing it on December 31st and then January 1st. So Arthur Anderson's like, oh, that sounds amazing. Criminal. <laughs> Criminal. And Enron's like, this is awesome. Uh, Enron gets the money, the hundreds of millions from Arthur Anderson, and then sticks it to him. The next day, they're like, oh, we don't want to buy it back just yet. And Arthur Anderson- No freaking like, way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and our team found the evidence of this. Now, the funny thing is our job, the CIA, the FBI, ATF, like all these law enforcement organizations were involved in the prosecution. Right. That's what they wanted to sort out. Our job is to just reveal the truth to our attorneys to see here's what's coming your way and if there's any evidence to the counter. All the evidence- pointed to they were guilty. We found so much stuff in that case that the prosecution was was trying to sequester us to, to get the evidence because we found stuff they couldn't find. Wow. True story. I wasn't testifying in a case. Our forensics director, we dispatched two people down to Houston where the trial was going on. Our attorney uh, for the defense, once we turned this evidence over, they said, oh shit, these guys are in trouble, Andrew, and so forth. Fast and they said, there's a plane waiting for you at a private airport. Get on that plane within 20 minutes of now. We're flying out of here to New Jersey. The, the rule is if it is 
an impedance or difficult to get the other side to, to get their evidence from them, it, it prevents that evidence from being revealed. So they didn't want the evidence to be shown. So he said, just get the hell out of here. We never want to see you again type of thing. And those guys, I hate to say, they I think they got what they deserved. I mean, I, they were my client, but they got what they deserved. You just said something that I found humorous because of, you know, the Jersey bond there. And and you said, like, kind of going into witness protection almost basically. Yeah, like witness protection. But it's normally it's not people flying into New Jersey for witness protection, right? No, it's, 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 not, yeah, everyone's it's flying the other out. way around. I don't think yeah. I've ever heard of for your protection, like we're sending you to New we're Jersey. We're sending you to New Jersey. <laughs> because, well, they, well, I got to finish the sentence. They said, for your protection, we're sending you to New Jersey because no one's willing to go there. <laughs> that was their words. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And I know you have some something exciting to talk to me about, but I just want to thank you again for helping us all with, you know, profit first and some of the other things. And, you know, oh, it's my joy that we feel so strongly about that all of our coaches are certified, you know, and profit first. And, and the single thing we still hear that is just a commonality of everything during COVID and, and all of our shop owners that made it through on top and were able to buy up the businesses that were going out of business and do all that stuff was Holy cow, if you guys didn't introduce Profit First to us, you know, we, we wouldn't even be here, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. you know, the savings. So I, I just want to take a minute to thank you again for that. because You're very welcome. I also want to counter thank you or acknowledge the fact that you and ATI has embraced it to this level is really, uh, I'm really proud of what you all have done to educate this community. You know, the only way that we, the work I'm doing can serve people is if they discover a book. But for many people, that's not enough education. And plus, we don't know if we're doing it right. We read the book, but am I doing it right? We need right. personal guidance. And I just, I'm just so proud that ATI has embraced it the way you all have. It's of extraordinary service. So thank, thanks back to you also. Well, thank you. Thank you. And that's why you're my brother from another mother. So what do you have? We, and we share the same father. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> we, we are brother and sister from a different mother. Our father got around. Um, you know, it is no. Jersey. So it's Jersey. <laughs> One never knows what our true roots are or who we're really related to. There's a lot of things popping up on. Oh, I know. It's like a family wreath over there instead of a tree. I swear. You know, my friends are kind of getting into a little gray area with the DNA DNA stuff. You know, be careful. My wife and I did the Ancestry.com. And uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you have a cousin, you have a cousin. And then another friend of mine said, oh, you have a sister, like a half sister. And he's like, oh, sugar. So I kind of walking away from that now oh i know i mean it's so many that we're seeing with that with you know here's no this isn't your biological father or no this is i know i know like i know a whole I other guess. families out there but anyway i digress what you got yeah. for me today so it's a barbecue house in hunt texas there's a story that came out of this place that blew my mind so i want to give you the context i got hold of this guy named his, his real name is stephen king so I got hold of not the Stephen King. He's this Stephen King, the owner of King's Barbecue House in Hunt, Texas. Now, if you don't know where Hunt, Texas is, nor does anyone else. I do it not. Is, it is about an hour and a half, maybe two hours away from San Antonio. It is a rural town. And uh, this barbecue house is something that, that Stephen purchased to build a restaurant. No restaurant experience, by the way. And the restaurant was struggling. He saw it as an opportunity. He had no idea what he was doing. Well, He's struggling as he's getting started and, and he's working his tail off and, and doesn't seem to be moving along. And then one day, one of the employees there, one of the waiters comes up and says, hey, that drink fountain over there, I notice it's always just messy and it just bothers me. It's okay if I just, if I maintain that, if I own that. And uh, 
Steven's like, sure. Well, that day forward, the drink fountain is meticulous. The I can't remember the person's name. We'll say it was Joel. And uh, what Steven did is like, hey, we're going to call this Joel's drink fountain. So he puts a label over Joel's drink fountain. Oh, I love is, it. Yeah, it's meticulous and perfect. And then that's when the idea struck. It's like, oh my gosh, Joel owns this. He started going to their employees. Like, do you want to own something? The cashier, I don't recall her name at the moment either, but the cashier uh, who's been there for a long, long time says, I would love to own the inventory. She goes, I, I never understand how these prices work. Sometimes we have to charge more and sometimes less. How does this work? And she's like, I've, I've always been curious. She's like, you own the inventory. And she starts managing it. And he puts her name over that. It's I'll say Joanne's inventory. And what was interesting is then she starts going to other cashiers. And when the cashiers are getting complaints from customers saying, why is the drink 25 cents more now or a dollar more now? She's able to tell the cashiers, here's what's going on. Because of COVID, we can't get this, the syrups and supplies as easily. It's causing our prices to go up. We don't actually have the inventory. And the cashier's like, oh, I get it. And then when the customer complains, they can say, oh, it's our inventory and the COVID pandemic. We don't have the stuff. I'm really sorry. And the customer's like, oh. So she starts educating. Then to my two favorite stories, one guy, he's the busboy, says, I would love to own this back deck. And seems like, you sure you're up for owning that? The back deck represents over 20% of their revenue. It's where they put the performances on in the summer, uh, where they sell all their, you know, their booze and alcohol served back there while there's a little mini concert going where on. Where you and I would be sitting. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. We, well, <laughs> we'd be up on stage, like five drinks in, trying to sing. This is true, but uh, okay. We're going to do some Bon Jovi. <laughs> Shout out to Jersey. <laughs> the boss, like, who wears the boss? And they're like, you mean Stephen King? Like, no, the real boss, Bruce. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so this kid, he takes it over and it's meticulous. Now, what was interesting was he didn't take the responsibility for the back deck. He took ownership, which means he wasn't the one who has to clean up and maintain things. It was just his name associated with it. He was linked to it. So he's observing. If there's a problem, he'd go and say, hey, do you mind getting the sweeping going on there? I know that's your job and you haven't gotten to it yet, but it doesn't look the way we need it to look. He's also organizing stuff. But my favorite story was another guy who Stephen was asked to hire. By another friend. He's like, hey, listen, there's a guy down his block. The dreaded, the dreaded, hey. The yeah, can you, can you do me a favor call? You hate this Give those me calls. a solid, bro. Yeah, he goes, give me a solid, bro. I got a friend, we'll call him Joe. He can't get a job and he really needs to work. Uh, can you hire him? And Steve's like, okay. Come, the first day of work, this guy shows up. He's going to be a waiter. He's disheveled. He's got gre a little grease on his face. His hands are covered with grease and stuff. He's doing mechanic work. He's got stuff all over him. And Steve shows up and says, you're a waiter. You, you got to be clean. Go back home and clean yourself up. The guy comes back. He's better. He's not perfect. Next day goes like this. He's showing up late. He's, you know, all of sorts. After a week, Steven's like, this guy's done. He calls his friend and says, I'm sorry, but he can't stay here. This guy, Joe, is, is hurting us. And the friend says, please, just one more week. Week two, day one, Steven goes to Joe and says, hey, man, do you want to own something? And uh, Joe's like, what do you mean? Stephen picked the smallest thing. He didn't say, hey, you want to own the backpack? He said, there's straws on the counter there, the straw box, and people pull them out and they're all over. He's like, I, I want someone to own that, keep it organized. Do you think you're up for that extra task? The guy's like, all right. So he starts organizing straws. Straws are perfect. Stephen says, good job. Next day, straws are perfect. Stephen's like, wow, man, you're nailing straws. After a week, the straws are always perfect. But the guy starts coming in a little more on time, a little more dressed appropriately. Two weeks later, Stephen's like, hey, you want to own something else? Now he's owning the bar mats and so forth, keeping those clean. Fast forward two years, two years later, this guy is Stephen's best employee. 
Wow. Joe, Joe went to Steve and said, um, this is about a year ago. He's like, I got to tell you something, man. He's like, I grew up abused, um, disres- you know, ignored by my family. I was told I was the scum of the earth. I was worthless. He's like, I was never allowed to own anything. He's like, you give me ownership. He's like, I have more pride in this business and you than I have anything in my life. I, I, don't know, I have like goosebumps right now. And I, me too. Like, when I heard a story, back, I, I like Bert Club right now. He goes, I will do anything for this organization. Anything. The other phenomenon that's happened is it's not just Joe. It's the entire company. The people are saying, Hunt, Texas. You know what we were called? A very bad word that sounds like Hunt. Like No one gave it. We were disparaged. People thought this was the shit town. We are proud of this town. And this is now the institution. This is the star of Hunt, Texas. And true fact, people are driving in from San Antonio two hours away to eat at this barbecue house and then returning home. A four-hour round trip for a barbecue house. These people have extraordinary pride in this organization. The lesson is this. It started with ownership. With ownership. And there's something I found is fascinating. There's a difference between responsibility and ownership. You know, when you rent a car, you are responsible for that car, but you don't own it. How do you treat it? Oh, you know, I, I put a little extra gas into that pedal. You know, I lean in a little hard. The brakes get used a little bit hard. I actually figured out how to fishtail around corners. I did in a rental from Hertz. I'm sorry. But when you own the car, now it's my baby. When you rent a home versus own a home, it's different. When you're responsible versus own, it's different. And that's what Stephen found. It's very subtle, but it is extraordinary. When someone owns and their name is linked to it, when they have a sense of propriety that it's a component of theirs, the behavior changes radically. The other key lesson was don't go start big, start small and let people ask for it. If you go too big, too fast, it overwhelms and, and people are out. But if you can start at the right size, straws, um, you can build to something extraordinary, assign ownership. And I think for the ATI community, this is perfect because there's so many visual, physical things you have. Someone can own the tire rack. Someone can own, if you have a gas station, can own the pumps. Like, you know, People can own things, but you can also do this with the intangibles. Someone can own the customer experience. Someone can own the accounting. We, we're trying something out here. We're, we're experimenting with ownership here in our own office. And someone's like, our website, the blog is kind of chunky and weird at times. We said, you, are you saying you want to own it? Or said, yeah, I'd love to own it. But how do we link them? We changed it from slash blog, her name is Izzy, to Izzy's blog. That's the webpage now. So it became- this visceral ownership over an intangible. That is fantastic. Yeah, isn't that cool? Isn't that really? Cool? Now I want to go eat barbecue in Hunts, Texas. I, I'm going to fly. I'm, I'm planning. I have yet to pick the day, but I'm flying down to Hunt, Texas for some barbecue. And I suspect it's going to be my best barbecue meal ever. Not because the food is better, perhaps, than anywhere else. Maybe it is. But I'm sure every employee there wants to make it better because they're showing off their, their institution. So it's going to be, I think, an extraordinary experience because of the people. Well, hopefully you'll come back on and tell us all about it and uh, what what other people. I'll call on from service. Hunt. I'll have, like, I'll have whiskey in my hand. I'll be like, hey! I'll be <laughs> on stage. Be perfect. We can do it any way you want. That'll be perfect. Well, I, I love used that. I to work at the docks. You I'm like singing from the stage. I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> That'll just be epic. That will that will definitely put them on the map if they're not on there yet. That Mike yeah. Cal has jumped up. Singing out Bon Jovi. Yeah, started doing falsetto bon- and off tune. 
You're welcome. Well, they're doing the same thing now too. I saw them recently and it's, it's, it's not much different. I have to say yeah. <laughs> everybody's voice is changing as we're, we're uh, going up through the ranks of the age for sure. For Do you remember sure. the, you remember the uh, Peter Brady episode? Or did you watch uh, the Brady Bunch? Of course the Brady Bunch. Yeah. When his voice changes. And they incorporate it. So I love that. Because they took what people would see as a problem and they yes. turned it into a winning thing. You know, they, yes. they, they embraced it. They made it part of it. And I love that. I'm glad you brought that episode up. That really is. It's lesson part two. Okay. So I call it the disadvantage advantage. I actually wrote about that, but other stories. What we perceive as a weakness, repositioned can be a great strength. So uh, I wrote about this in Get Different, but. Here's a story that um, was fascinating in the entrepreneurial front, particularly because it came out of a university. It's University of California, Santa Barbara, so UCSB. And what they're known for when it comes to the aesthetics of the campus specifically is these uh, olive trees. Olive trees kind of form in this very gnarled, prehistoric, Jurassic type of formation. They're, They're gorgeous trees. But... They also drop olives. And the problem was when you'd walk toward the administrative building at UCSB, the main building, you walk down the main pathway surrounded by these olive trees. Problem is when it's the season uh, and the olives are ripe, they were dropping on the ground and it lets go olive oil. These became very slippery, precariously so. Like people would walk and fall down. Um, <laughs> forgot If you were a biker, forget it. If you were on your little, you know, 10-speed, so... UCSB responds by saying, we got to clean these. And they send out power washers. Power washing makes it worse. It spreads the oil. So now spreads, it became, yeah, spreads the oil. Yeah. yeah. So now there's more oil. So it's more of a calamity. Now the whole thing is like a sheet of ice. So then UCSB says, this is such a disadvantage. We need to kill the trees. We need to cut them down. But thank God one professor said, no, we don't. Let's make a disadvantage and advantage. He said, when the trees start to ripen, we're going to put nets below them to capture the olives. Then we're going to press the olives, and we're going to make our own olive oil. UCSB has its own proprietary olive oil, which is now world-renowned, not because maybe the quality of it, but the uniqueness of the story. The olives don't fall on the ground. They're captured, and they make enough money by selling this olive oil that supports the maintenance of the property. So that disadvantage became an advantage. What the takeaway here is, is when your voice changes like Peter Brady, you can you can go in your room and cry and, and maybe Greg will come there and give you a little hug. But that's about it. Or you can say, I can make a song out of this that everyone will remember. It's time for change. Or you can capture those olives and make a product that people want to consume. What's your weakness? Particularly a weakness that the competition leverages and says, you know, you don't have enough staff. You only have one person that works there. Or where are they, where are they hounding on to put you down? Make that your advantage. Find a way to reframe it. And now your competitor becomes your best marketing ally. They're talking about what you want to be put out there. It, it's so true. We, I actually had um, Patrick Connell on the podcast. He's one of our members a, a few weeks ago. And fleet business has a lot of a, a bad rap in the automotive industry a lot because sometimes a fleet customer, you know, they want special pricing. They want to yeah. drop it off when it's convenient for them. And then they need it back in 10 minutes. And right, right. you have to wait, you know, 60 days to get paid and, you know, other things and, and yeah. not all fleets are like that, but so people were, when they were shying away from it, Patrick Connell said, well, no one else wants to do this. Everybody else thinks this is a headache. So I am going to turn Double my that. business into complete fleet. And 
he is doing so incredible and his business has exploded and, and he does such innovative things with how to keep parts, you know, on hand for them and other, and another things. But he, he just was like, listen, this was a headache for everyone else. So it loosened up the competition, right? I'm not going to be fighting everybody for fleet because nobody wants it. So, so let me take it head on and be the champion of the fleet business. And he sure did. And it's amazing. It's amazing to watch and to see what he's accomplished. That is juicy. That reminds me of another strategy, strategy three, uh, we'll call it, which is the unscalable scalable. And what I mean by this is when people talk about scaling, they say, what is the easiest thing to grow? And how can I take this idea from other people? Now, the thing is when something's easy to grow or, or easier to grow, we lean toward that. It's like a water running down a hill. It'll go to the easiest way to flow out. If we elect to choose the unscalable, the other things that people are afraid of, that becomes, to your point, the differentiator because no one else is doing it. You can lap a business. But then the interesting thing is by investing into that, you will find a way to scale it. You'll bring about systems. I'm sure he says, like, listen, if you're bringing 50 of the exact same vehicles, I'm going to pre-stock these items so I don't need to call and get them delivered the next day or the next morning. I'll have them in stock ready to go. He may even go, and I did this with my computer systems when I was doing computer services. We had one client that had, uh, I think, 100 computers. They were all identical. We bought two more at our own dime. We stored them in the office, pre-configured for them. When they said our computer's down, uh, we said, no problem. We replaced it with one of our loaner computers, took out theirs, and started the repair. For them, it was an instantaneous fix while we had time to do the fix. I'm not saying with a fleet, you can have a spare truck and say, here's your, here's your backup. But we do the think of strategies to make it more efficient. And because people think it's unscalable, they won't even pursue it. It's too much of a headache. And it surely is a headache trying to figure it out. But once you figure it out, you're protected for a long time. Absolutely. He's insulated himself from, you know, all of during everything that happened during COVID and, yeah. you know, all of those things. I mean, fleet trucks were running all over. There wasn't a minute that there wasn't somebody getting something built or fixed or yes. somewhere, anywhere. And, and you're right. He said that, like, how does he figure it out? You know, when he started doing it, he didn't have a plan or a process. He was just like, no one else is doing it. I, I want in and, yeah. you know, over the years he's, he's done it, but he said that first conversation with his internal customers was like, they just looked at him like, we're going to do what? And they're like, yeah, how yeah, are yeah, we going to yeah. track this? How are we going to whatever? He's like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And they went and met their first fleet manager and said, they said, we need this, this, and this. And Patrick said, okay. And then they went back and his internal customers like, you told them we're going to do what? How are we going to yeah. do that? He goes, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. And he yeah. kept at it. And to his credit, he did. Where some people will be like, oh, once they see how hard. But it is does definitely give an advantage over. A oh, huge know. advantage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's harder to, often harder to solve the Rubik's Cube than to dig the hole. Meaning sometimes the, the real simple thing to do actually takes more effort uh, in the long run to make progress but in the short term, is this easier? And why I compare this to is if, if someone was given 15 minutes to dig a hole or 15 minutes to solve a Rubik's Cube, most people, myself included, probably would just say, oh, let's dig a hole um, and get <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> yeah, and get exhausted from it. Because the Rubik's Cube is just, it's mind-blowing. Even though the Rubik's Cube is less physical effort, it's a lot more mental effort. And uh, I think we discount that. Thought is really, really calorie-consuming. And so it's really hard to do. And I think some people would start the Rubik's Cube and say, ah, screw this, and run out and do the ditch. If we have the discipline of continuing trying to put the pieces in the right order, 
at a certain point, you start to solve it. That's the breakthrough moment. And that's what I'm hearing in that story. It's hopefully what people heard in the Santa Barbara story is if you're just willing to look at from another angle, you'll find the solution that others will never find. I'm going to have to get some of that olive oil now. Yeah, I'm not sure Santa Barbara. It's definitely a UC school. I'll look now, it I up. hope it's Santa Barbara. I'm going to Google it. If it's not, it's okay. Our, our, our listeners are pretty smart. They can Google college olive oil and figure it out. That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and it is Santa Barbara. Yeah, it's Santa Barbara olive oil. You just type it in and uh, it's selling for 24 bucks a bottle right now. One incredible story, though, and who wouldn't want to pay $24 to support that cause? And Oh, totally. You know, just fantastic. Yeah, no, totally. No, totally. And that's the other part. Oh, um, uh, maybe it's UC Davis. Maybe, maybe I missed it up here. But it's a, it's a California school. But I'll tell you the lesson is this, is we start purchasing the story as opposed to the product. And that's true for every single business. When I have my computer hey, I'm company. I'm stealing that. We we purchase the story instead of the product. Yeah, yeah. Steal Everybody because, write that down right now. Write that one down. When I, when I was in my computer industry, Geek Squad came in and kicked everyone's ass till Sunday because they were the story. You know, who doesn't want someone showing up in flood pants and those tape glasses and dressing like a nerd to fix your computer? That's a fun conversation you're going to have that night. People will pay a premium for that. And that's true for everything. You're Start thinking about the story in your business. And don't go for just the easy, cheesy, you know, this is the third generation. That's interesting. But what can you do? My father-in-law owned an auto shop. Do you know it was the building that before he owned it was owned by the Ringling Brothers and Barnabilly Circus? There was a train station that would take animals from New York City out to Mountain Lakes, that's where it was, and store the giraffes there. That's a story. This is the giraffe house uh, that's now an auto shop. And he did as much as he could, but you have pictures of the story of Ringling Brothers and how animals used to be here and how it's morphed over time. Those things become compelling and interesting. And uh, that's something I think you could leverage in your business. I'm, I'm talking not to you, Kim, necessarily. I'm talking to everyone listening. If I made it sound like I was talking to you. So there you go. I, I love that. And I who wouldn't want to go and see the building where the circus was and where they housed giraffes and all, all of that stuff. How exciting. And, an elf, and an elf, this is a true story. Elephant broke loose and ran around mountain lakes for <laughs> a couple of days. And so, you know, people are in this, in this little lake community and, and there's an elephant running around like that. That's some juicy stuff. And I, you know, and you can play into this. You could call it elephant day, whatever day that was, say it was like January 17th of 1892. Well, every January 17th have elephant day and, you know, do something special with your customers that they get an elephant trunk nose or something, or your, your staff wears it, or, or they get a special discount or, or they get the elephant pricing or, or, or they get pricing like it was in 1872 for that one day, like do things that become noteworthy around that history is one I do. And the wonderful thing about that is too, is, you know, most businesses, regardless of the industry kind of jump on the bandwagon of, you know, it's, Thanksgiving time. So everybody is like, bring in two cans of food and we'll give you a discount. And, but every single business around you and in every industry is doing, bring in, you know, some cans of food. It's Thanksgiving and we'll do something for you. Right. I mean, yeah. And so it takes away that wow factor and that really catching somebody's eye, right. When you're doing something that everyone else is doing, it's, you know, it disrupts that pattern. Yeah. That's exactly what it does. 
Well, goodness gracious, you certainly gave us some things. I still the time. I got a bolt. Yeah, I got. I got to hop on a call in one minute. All right. Well, final final words you want to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, same thing I shared in the past. I think with the organization is if if you offer a service that is better than the competition, damn it, you have to get noticed. You have to market. It's the ultimate act of kindness. If you're better in any capacity, and I suspect you are, market accordingly. We need to discover you. Well, thank you so much. And all of the links for all of Mike's books and everything else that he has will be in the comments below. So make sure you check them out. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm going to see you you. next week on your podcast. Yeah, we're going to have a blast. We're going (laughs) to horse around. We'll we'll have a good time. All right, perfect. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.